good to be with you, good to worship together. Um, and and uh, I'm excited to continue our series on holy listening uh, and what listening looks like as, um, as a spiritual practice as disciples. Last week, or yeah, last week we heard Jesus reading from Isaiah. And in doing so, in reading from Isaiah in his home synagogue in Nazareth, he tells his hometown who he is and what he's about, proclaiming good news to the poor, release to the captives, proclaiming the year of God's favor, the Jubilee year. We pick up right where we left off in this story to see how his hometown uh, synagogue and in his hometown friends, family, uh, neighbors, how they respond to these words. So friends, I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the fourth chapter of Luke's gospel, beginning with the 21st verse. Then he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, that is Jesus, said, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do here also in your hometown the things that we have heard you do in Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months. And there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off of the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. Famous American writer and thinker Henry David Thoreau once said that it takes two to speak the truth, one to speak and one to hear. I'll say that again. It takes two to speak the truth, one to speak and another to hear. Well, spoken some 150 years ago, it seems like such a poignant and needed statement in the world in which we live today. The issue, of course, in today's world, though, is which voice do we listen to? Which voice is the truth? We're surrounded constantly by a cacophony of voices on any given issue or circumstance. News media, social media, friends, neighbors, coworkers, the like, the list could go on and on and on, all of whom are jockeying for our attention. Wading through the depths of these voices, we often choose to listen to the ones with whom we agree, or perhaps the voice that best suits our own interests, or even a voice that causes the least amount of disruption in our own lives or to the status quo. 
This reality really seems to be at work today in our reading. As Jesus is teaching and reading in his hometown synagogue, reading from the prophet Isaiah in our lesson. Last week, as I shared, we observed and heard how Jesus, as an observant Jewish man, read Isaiah's words in his hometown synagogue, saying that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him because he has appointed Jesus to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Powerful words indeed. But then, in uh, the folks of Nazareth's amazement, Jesus ups the ante even more by saying that these words have been fulfilled in their hearing. They're coming to light here and now. So, well, so how will the Nazarenes respond? At first, they seemed to respond well. They're amazed. They spoke well of him. They loved the gracious words that he had to say. But just like the comment section in, in um, today's communications reality, the tide quickly turns on how Jesus is received. Someone shouts out, hey, isn't that Joseph's kid? Perhaps they remember him as a young lad wandering around town or think as a carpenter's son, he can't really be much of a prophet, right? Regardless, their hearing of Jesus quickly turns on public opinion. And let's be honest, Jesus doesn't exactly help himself out here either. He jumps right into the conversation saying, all of you must be thinking of the well-known saying, doctor, heal yourself. This proverb, not a biblical proverb, mind you, but just a, a statement of wisdom from the time, can be understood as help yourself before you try to help anyone else. This becomes clear as Jesus continues, saying, Next you're going to tell me, do hear what you also did in Capernaum. Now, a Bible nerd note for you, Jesus hasn't gone to Capernaum yet in Luke's Gospel. Little details are mixed up here. But then he gives some biblical examples of two giant prophets of the Hebrew Bible, Elijah and Elisha. Now these, these prophets were not just giants and were not just beloved figures. There were also two prophets who spent a good part of their ministry, the lion's share of their ministry, ministering to people outside of the community of Israel. At this, the hometown becomes angry. They drive Jesus out of town and nearly off the edge of a cliff before Jesus decides to depart. And I must note, almost comically decides to depart, just turning around and walking right through the angry mob and going on his way. What happened to our hometown kid? How do the Nazareans hear him? A theme begins here in Luke's gospel that will continue going forward, that Jesus is God's own rejected prophet. First by his own town, and then eventually by the whole city of Jerusalem as he's arrested and ultimately crucified. The question still remains, why does he get rejected by his hometown? Now, we often think of his rejection from his community as a result of his familiarity with them. Hey, that's Joseph's kid. We knew him back when he was yay high, right? 
But I don't think this is exactly what sets his hometown on edge. I don't think this is truly why they reject him. Notice after he reads and tells them these words are filled in their, fulfilled rather in their hearing, they're filled with awe and amazement. They're excited. It's not until Jesus speaks again that they get all upset. Like I said, Jesus doesn't exactly help himself out here. But what does he say? Doctor, cure yourself. Do hear also what you did in Capernaum. Elijah and Elisha helped those outside of Israel. In all these statements, Jesus is rejecting any notion that he just belongs to his hometown, or by extension, even just to his own people of Israel. He is not their own exclusive prophet and healer. He's come to bring a far bigger, far more inclusive understanding of God's reign and redemption to the world. It seems that this is perhaps what sets them off. Once it's clear that Jesus isn't going to be who they want him to be, that he won't just be for them, they can no longer hear him. They can no longer listen. And it's this idea that I think so connects with our world today. We often discount what we hear, and therefore we cannot truly listen to one another. Or often we listen to someone, once we find out that they're not in our own camp on an issue or have nothing to offer us, we dismiss what they have to say, and we can't listen anymore. Or at least we choose not to listen anymore. I know I struggle with that. It's this kind of selective hearing that our minds get conditioned to over time. In our story, friends, Jesus teaches us how to listen in a way that's different. He teaches us how to listen in a way that takes us beyond ourselves and our own world and reality to glimpse the very reign of God. A reign, a kingdom that is bigger, more loving, more inclusive than anything we could try to imagine. And it's this kind of listening, friends, that has the power to change the world. So how do we go about this kind of listening? What voices do we seek to hear and respond to? And it can, I'll be honest with you, it can feel like a tall task in a world in which we are constantly surrounded by competing voices, each demanding our our sole attention. Thankfully, friends, we have a couple of tools here to aid us in this kind of kingdom listening. The first key Jesus provides us himself from his reading from Isaiah, that he's come to bring good news to the poor, release to the captives, freedom for the oppressed, proclaiming the year of God's favor. This key reminds us that when there are competing voices, which one closest aligns to these words from Isaiah? Which voice is bringing good news to the poor? Which one 
gives us a glimpse of release to those held captive by anything in this world, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to proclaim God's own reign. It's a reminder, friends, in this loud, busy world with voices that seem like clanging cymbals, as Paul tells us in our first lesson, to listen very closely to the, to the voices speaking out for care for the poor, the oppressed, for those on the margins of society. Now, just over a month ago, the church lost an absolute giant figure um, as uh, the Archbishop of South Africa, Desmond Tutu, passed away. His prophetic voice was instrumental in ending apartheid in South Africa. There's so many wonderful quotes from, from Archbishop Tutu that, that I could share, but the one that I think so connects with what we're talking about today and this kind of holy listening is when he says that every church, every church should be able to receive a letter of recommendation from the poor in their community. Every church should be able to receive a letter of recommendation from the poor in their community. Desmond Tutu's uh, prophetic words here is a challenging reminder, asking us and challenging us, are we listening to the voices of those on the margins in our community and world today? How might we better hear? How might we better keep an ear out? There's another key or another tool that I think uh, includes the first one, but it maybe gives us a, a far bigger umbrella on which to, to parse the competing voices that we hear in our world. And that's found in our first reading. The well-known words about God's own self-giving agape love from 1 Corinthians 13. Yes, it is okay to read that verse outside of a wedding uh, ceremony, friends. Because here, after telling the Corinthians about all these different gifts and how together they form uh, the body of Christ and each part of the body has a vital function and one part isn't better than another, he says there is a far greater way. There's a far greater gift that we all share and that's love. Agape love. God's own self-giving, um, selfless love. And this, I think, friends, is the key to what it means to listen. To listen for God's kingdom taking shape in our world. When we hear competing voices, where this, this lens forces us to ask ourselves, does one of these better further the love of God and neighbor? Friends, if what we are hearing furthers the love of God and neighbor, we can be confident that God is at work in our midst. We can be confident that we can respond to that voice with care, compassion, and service. And over time, friends, this kind of listening for love can shape us, our community, and the world around us to better emulate, to better live into this reign of God that's taking shape around us here and now. To return to our, our quote from, from Henry Thoreau, that it takes two to speak the truth, one to speak and another to hear, perhaps as Christians we can adapt these words from Thoreau a bit. 
but it takes two to speak and understand the truth with the capital T. That is Christ. We need to hear, we need to listen for the voices speaking out for help, for hope, for love. Friends, in a world with so many colliding, competing voices, Jesus calls us to a different kind of listening. A listening that takes us beyond ourselves and our own self-interest to envision the very kingdom of God. As we seek to practice and live out this kind of listening, may we seek to keep an ear out and to listen to the voices of those in need in our midst. Those on the margins, those on the sidelines of our society and world that we might respond with love. May we try to listen with everything we've got with this kind of agape self-giving love that we might take one step closer and make God's reign that much clearer in our own midst. Amen.